Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi, I'm Phil Craig. And I'm Andrew Loney. And together we aim to bring you the most scandalous stories and some of the most scandalous people in history. So thanks for joining us here on the Scandal Mongers podcast. Hello, Andrew. It's your turn to be abroad, it seems. It is. I'm sorry, I can't be on an outside chalet um, veranda, but I'm in Switzerland. Um, so bringing, bringing uh, the latest news from, uh, from around the world. Well, I've got some news. I think uh, we haven't seen the Apple data. Um, most of our listeners are on Apple or Spotify. But I think this was the week we passed 100,000 downloads. Gosh. I think so. Gosh, that's great. It's lovely to see the, 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 the listening, listeners going up uh, and looking at old programs as well. Yes, the people are finding the old stuff. Well, I, I mean, 100,000 people, or maybe one person 100,000 times. And if you're listening, Jennifer, my mother-in-law, thanks a lot for doing that. <laughs> but, yeah, uh, and yeah, and, and, and we're also very successful. We're also in the charts. You don't know this because I'm the one that's desperate for validation uh, in terms of our double act. And I look at these charts and we started appearing in a few unlikely places, like fairly low down, like 125. But in places like Finland, New Zealand, Ireland, even Argentina, can you believe? Gosh. Hmm. Well, maybe we should be changing the focus of the program. We haven't done anything on those areas yet. Well, I think we also found the secret to our to our moderate success. Um, Ellen Zielinski wrote from uh, America saying how much she enjoyed the shows, but she particularly liked listening to your voice. Um, your voice? No, your voice. What? My voice? Gosh. Well, she says she's got the audio version of Traitor King, um, and the author's dulcet tones are a real bonus. Is that you? <laughs> That's me, yes. Dulcet suggests going to sleep. Well, maybe that's the secret to our success. People are using us to nod off. Well, I think yes. uh, Ellie May from Canada. Hello, Ellie May, if you're listening. She likes our accents too. Uh, maybe she means me as well. Who knows? Um, and quite a few people have been joining and saying nice things. Um, in fact, the, this particular episode, we should probably get around to introducing, uh, was also suggested by a listener. 
Yes, absolutely. And it was a very good suggestion, I think. Uh, I'm very much looking forward to hearing what Laura has to say. Yep. So Catherine Giovanni or Di Giovanni from Washington, D.C., if you're listening, thank you for your great idea. And it led us to reach out to our friend Laura, who's going to come and speak to us about the Mitfords, um, possibly the poshest women um, ever to have lived. Um, Andrew would understand. He has a very similar background himself. <laughs> well, I mean, there is this great interest in Mitfords, which continues. I mean, there have been dozens of books, but Laura, I think, is one of the best known writers about them. Uh, uh, but yes, there is a fascination, and I think people just can't get enough of them. There was a very good, actually, it was sort of all right, TV series. Did you see it? It was star-studded, glossy. It had American money in it, I think, just recently uh, of the book um, The Pursuit of Love by Nancy Mitford, which is, I guess is the book that really cemented their reputation as these yes, eccentric, crazy, um, sort of slightly out there aristocratic women from the 30s and 40s. Yeah, no, it's a slightly different sort of. This, it, it, well, I suppose there's a whole series of scandals with their lives, really. Um, particularly with Unity, the one who who was was a great supporter of Hitler. Yeah, um, well, just as a very brief intro, I mean, they had this remarkable, intense, strange childhood. Like I say, they're very rich, very posh. They didn't seem to go to school very much. They sort of roamed around the family estates with imagining sort of imaginary worlds and inventing their own language. Um, what is it, five or six girls and a boy, um, very intense yeah. friendships, alliances, um, which they carried on into their uh, sort of adult lives, where they were so famous. I mean, they were like the most famous women, perhaps in the Europe in the 30s. Everything they did was written about, photographs were taken. They would be called influencers now. Yeah. Um, and, and I mean, the last of them only died in 2014. So... You know, they, they dominated in a sense the, the, the landscape for a long period because, as you say, really the 30s was their heyday. Um, and then, you know, in different ways, they get drawn into the politics of that time um, and that sort of decade's fascination with dictators of various kinds. Um, and, uh, yeah, as you say, unity. Mitford ends up shooting herself. We shouldn't give the game away, but she does. I think most people would know that. She's so in despair when Britain and Germany go to war because she is totally in love with Hitler. Crikey. Yeah, no, it'd be fascinating to know what, what how their lives would have played out if they'd been born, let's say, 30 years later, mm -hmm. um, in the 60s or something. But, um, yeah, it is an extraordinary sort of saga. I mean, you couldn't make up a lot of it. Uh, no, impossible to imagine now, I think, actually, as well. Um, okay, well, I think that's probably given people enough background. Shall we go to Laura? I think we should. All right. See you in a minute. See you in a minute. Laura, welcome back. Lovely to see you both again. We've well, um, written such great books. We both loved your book on the Mitfords. I mean, it's a well, very well-covered subject, but very fresh. Well, somebody, uh, somebody who is online far too much, uh, namely me, just tweeted, some books you just luxuriate in. I'd say that of this perfect shimmering summer read especially for anybody about to go on a UK countryside holiday. Oh, and we're just about to interview the author. Oh, Phil. Oh, my goodness. What <laughs> a lovely great. thing. Oh, it's that's amazing. so nice of you. Mm. I wrote it very quickly. Sometimes that sort of works because you just get on with it, you know. But as you say, Andrew, they're not exactly not written about the Mitfords. Um, and when I was asked to do it, I thought, oh, come on, this again. But then... 
there's always something, you, you, you know, why are they still fascinating people? Well, you know, and you come at it in a fresh way and there is something new. Um, because what amazes me about them really is there is this sort of twee and twinkly aspect, you know, the sort of um, people who, oh, I want to dress like Debo or let's, you know, all this kind of thing. And then you think, well, hang on a minute. You know, there's actually um, a rather dark and perturbing side to these, um, at least three of these women, um, which somehow gets absorbed into the Mitford whole, which I suppose is down to Nancy Mitford and the pursuit of love and the construction of what one might call the Mitford myth, um, which and that book does purge them of darkness and in a way was their reputational saviour, maybe. You met several of them, readers. You met several of them. I met two of them. I met Diana, which was an event. Um, She was wonderful. She was so lovely, so lovely to me. And I met Deborah, who was also brilliant, but far more brisk. And, um, you know, because she was the normal one, so cool. But Diana was... um, you know, you're meeting a woman who was fairly close to, with Hitler and obviously married Oswald Mosley, and I was absolutely petrified. And she was, what surprised me, she was extremely warm, extremely funny, as the Mitfords are, and one just could not. The enigma of Diana is is um, is indecipherable, as far as I can tell and I'm now writing a book about her and Mosley the marriage and it's it's you know it's a conundrum to say the least I, I mean perhaps for our viewers you should just give us a quick rundown on the six Mitford girls and indeed the brother Tom too who's also quite interesting yes he is yes okay so they were born um into the English you know the heart of the English countryside the, the Cotswolds between 1904 and 1920. So you've got the six Mitford girls. You've got Nancy, obviously the writer. You've got Pamela, also an enigma, but known for breeding chickens and so forth. But I think there was a whole other side to Pamela, really. Then you've got Diane. Oh, then you've got the brother, Tom, who is, yes, an extremely interesting person, the one son, who was killed right at the end of the Second World War. Then you've got Diana, the beauty, and uh, extremely clever woman, but you know, as I say, enigmatic. Then you've got Unity, the woman who became very close to Hitler and shot herself on the day that war was declared, um, but didn't kill herself. Then you've got Jessica, who became a, 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 an ardent communist and eloped to the Spanish Civil War with um, her first husband, Esmond Romilly, who was rumoured to be Churchill's son, and a real, real hardline communist, a Corbynista one, or more, more to the left than that. And then you've got Deborah, who became the Duchess of Devonshire, and whose rebellion, as I've said before, took the form of being completely sane um, and had an extremely successful and wonderful life. And she only died in 2014, so that was the last of the Mitford girls. Then you've got these two very interesting parents who are presented again in Nancy's The Pursuit of Love as this immutable sort of English marriage um, 
the, the, the Lord and Lady Alconley. And of course, by the time that book came out in 1945, that whole family had fragmented. Um, as I say, Tom was dead. The marriage between the Reedsdales, Lord and Lady Reedsdale is their real name, um, had fallen apart. Um, so that book, when one reads it in the knowledge of the real methods, does take on a tremendous poignancy um, over and above the, the poignancy of the novel itself. Um, David Mitford, who only got the title by default, his brother was killed in the First War, was a, you know, he's portrayed in that novel, Uncle Matthew, as the kind of um, roaring, rampaging, eccentric English aristocrat. He was a more vulnerable character than that, really, and extremely bad with money and lost sort of everything. Um, his wife, Sydney, again, an enigmatic woman, a uh, very interesting woman. I mean, today she'd have been probably running, running, you know, she'd be a CEO or she'd be doing something, you know, she could have, she was capable of anything, I think, but instead had all these children and ended up during the Second World War more or less commuting between visiting Diana, who'd been uh, imprisoned in Holloway because of being a fascist sympathiser, commuting between Holloway and her own cottage in um, Oxfordshire, where she was more or less nurse to Unity, who was pretty much an invalid after putting a bullet in her brain. So that was Sydney's life. Um, and in a way, Sydney interests me the most of all of them, <laughs> the mother, extraordinary woman. So you can see why we remain interested in them. Uh, I, I just find that the, the contrast between... The world you describe. I'm, I'm going to keep quoting you yourself because the lines I just want. To, I just want to read. Uh, these girls were expected to become wives, mothers, propagators of their class, the kind of women who appeared at state balls in slightly ill-fitting satin and then tramped through Gloucestershire in good tweed. And that's lovely. And that's kind of you know even in war and it's charming and they have their private language. And then there's this other world that they get into, which is dictators and war and you say diana was charming she would have been the willing partner and perhaps co-conspirator with a man who could have been britain's dictator who would probably have happily sent people in cattle trucks to gas chambers it, it, it's it's unfathomable it, it it really is unfathomable. i mean i think the book my book which you're so lovely about and i really appreciate it i think i begin by saying it's an unrepeatable set of circumstances those six highly individualistic girls at a time when the world imploded um it, it, the, the, you know and uh, and this image which which really sums the mitfords up of um the 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 house uh, the, the the house in oxfordshire and a, a kind of room in it that would unity and jessica were very very close although unity was uh, an out and out nazi and jessica was an out and out communist and they divided the room up and one side was a bust of lenin and a red flag and the other side was you know swastikas and black shirts amazing so it's, it but they meant it but they're also as i say in the book showing off to nanny it's I think I think Nancy, Nancy and Diana would have been remarkable women in any family. Um, the cleverness of them, the scintillating, bright, 
brain of Nancy and this remarkable obduracy, this darkness in Diana, along with her extraordinary charisma, her physical charisma, her, the charisma of her, her spirit. Um, and I think the others sort of followed in their wake. In a way. I think when, well, her, it's absolutely extraordinary to think that in 1930, the Reedsdale parents were worried about Nancy cutting her hair and not being married and regarded her as a bit of a, you know, a bit of an outrage writing these sort of sub Evelyn War little novels. Um, and by 1932, Diana had walked out on her husband and set up as Oswald Mosley's mistress. Um, and that from that point, all the dominoes fell. I think Unity was influenced by Diana. I think Jessica was in rebellion against Unity. Um, but that, even to say that, sort of minimizes it because they didn't just do it. They weren't just, you know, um, the, what's the opposite of it? the vice signaling? They weren't. They weren't just, you know, um, showing. They were showing off, but they they also meant it. I mean, they 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 went to the the the, the, the courage of their ill-conceived convictions was that they they lived them through. Diana went to prison. Unity shot herself. Jessica, who'd been living in London in a house pretty close to Harrods, um, went to live in Rotherhithe, where, where her baby died because there was a measles epidemic, which claimed the lives of many babies. Um, she was she was part of the world that she had married into by marrying a a a, 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 com, a communist. They 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 lived they lived what they believed and that's what i find so extraordinary about them really and the oh. dynamic is so interesting and the and the shifting alliances because i mean after all diana went to prison partly on the evidence of her sister nancy yes. who sort of betrayed her yes she did nancy who nancy was my entry point which i suppose is true of lots of people you know we read those novels when we're teenagers and we're instantly compelled by the world she uh that the literary world that she creates is is extraordinarily vivid and singular and, you know. Um, but then when you read about Nancy, Nancy is an extremely complicated woman. And she talks in one of her novels about the personal and the political and how they, they can't be, um, you know, they're in, inextricable. And certainly that's the case with her because, you know, Deborah said to me, well, Nancy was always jealous of Diana. Um, because Diana was so good looking and all Nancy's friends like Evelyn Moore and everything, they all sort of fell madly in love with Diana. But at the same time, Nancy was genuinely um, on, on the side of the angels in, in, in the politics of the Second World War. And I have thought and thought and thought when she went to the, the, the home office and said, my sister is a very dangerous person. I have thought and thought and thought about what one would do in those circumstances if I had a a, a sister who was openly consorting with um, the Nazi high command. Um, but but Diana was was very resentful of Nancy still when I went and met Diana. You know, she said Nancy was the most disloyal person I ever knew, um, which. 
equally, I, I, I can understand that Nancy, who was often called by people a, a spiteful person, um, that, that that was a particular example of spite because she also, Nancy, and this intrigues me, and I only found out this quite recently, Nancy also denounced her sister Pamela, who everyone thinks of as this mild countrywoman. But in fact, she was married to a man called Derek Jackson, who was also a fascist sympathizer. And I always thought, oh, well, Pam didn't take any notice whether she'd be married to a fascist or she wouldn't have, you know, it wouldn't have touched her. But maybe it did. Maybe it did. And Pamela, who everyone thinks of as so lovely, when Nancy died in 1973 from a very, very agonizing cancer, and Pamela had nursed her, and she said to Diana, well, let's face it, um, she's wasted three years of our lives, you know, nursing her through this cancer. And I thought, gosh, there's a lot more to Pamela than meets the eye. Um, well, you, you hinted her being a lesbian too, didn't you? Oh, well, she was. She was. Did I hint? I think I found out subsequently that she... That, that, <laughs> was, right. Late on set. Some of my hinting was, um, I should have been more explicit, like David Reedsdale, when his marriage broke up with Sydney, went and lived with his parlour maid. And I thought, oh, well, maybe he just wants someone to, you know, cook his sausages. But in fact, it was a, a relationship. Um, so new things are still coming out. Well, maybe I was just, I don't know, maybe I was just, my brain was too crowded to um, pursue every line as I as I should have done to its end. I, I, yeah, in many ways, Unity was the one who was closest to the Nazis. I mean, you know, Diana got married in front of Hitler, but I mean, Unity sort of was, was in love with Hitler. And I mean, there's even a, a suggestion she may have had his child, uh, um, uh, or certainly, be, and you say she shot herself in September 39, but she didn't actually die till after the war. Yeah. But she came back and was never interviewed and was allowed to sort of live on. Um, and then yes. the various stories about her being in a maternity hospital during the war. Mm. Um, have you been able to follow up those links? I mean, the idea of Hitler's son living on in, in, in Surrey is a, is an intriguing one. I don't buy that actually. Um, I do. Uh, that was something I mentioned in the book that I actually didn't believe there was any more to it. Um, you, but when we're talking what you just said, Andrew, about there's more to come out. I mean, boy, is there more to come out about unity, I would say. Um, you know more about these things than I do. I mean, under the hundred year rule or whatever, I don't know. But I cannot get my head around what unity was do right so unity who um i mean there's she herself i think started a rumor that that she'd had some sort of fling with oswald mosley um but which would be rubbish but sadly, on the billion table oh you know you know, you know ball. <laughs> <laughs> black black balling but it um she uh Certainly, when Diana left her first husband, Brian Guinness, who was rich and lovely and I, I think drove Diana mad, Diana was a real radical in every possible sense of the word. And she wanted, she almost wanted to test uh, her perfect life to its But I mean, even now, to do what she did and walk out on her, her husband and go and set up um, as, as the mistress of a, a married man. Who, who would at that time not the um, 
pariah that he became, but was the leader of the new party or about to become the leader of the new party. And of course, as you will know, was was regarded as a um, a, 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 a saviour by many people, was regarded as a, the, the, the foremost politician in the land. You, I mean, you know, he was a conservative, he was Labour. Both parties thought of him as a future prime minister. Um, he then, as I say, formed the new party when Ramsay MacDonald wouldn't go along with his plans for the economy. But given the state that, that, that the economy was in at that time, not dissimilar to now, um, a man coming along who appeared to have answers, I can see how a very young woman and one forgets how young they were, Diana, was compelled by him. Um, and of course, he was regarded as extremely attractive. And he did sleep with, you know, that famous vote Labour, sleep Tory, that was his mantra. Um, <laughs> and he did sleep with his stepmother, and he did sleep with, I think, both his sisters-in-law, certainly one. He was married to Lord Curzon's daughter, Cynthia, who um, died young. And he didn't immediately marry Diana. He continued to have an affair with um, Baba Metcalf, his sister-in-law. And in fact, it was because of that that Diana and Unity first went to Germany in September 1933, because Diana was thinking, well, he's off wherever he was, Italy or whatever, with Baba Metcalf. I'm going to do something. And they went to Munich, um, where they got taken up by Hitler's sort of PR man, Putsi Hanf, oh God, I can't say his name, Hanfgen still or something, forgive me, um, and went to Nuremberg and it all sort of went from there. And I can see from Diana's point of view, well, first of all, she was thinking of Mosley and thinking of advancing Mosley's career. And she was trying to get permission from the Nazis to set up a a commercial radio station that would supposedly finance the British Union of Fascists, which had then become Mosley's party. Well, what, whether there was more to that or not, um, we don't know at this stage. But unity and unity psychology, I don't pretend to understand, but unity became compelled in a far more mad way. Um, also, she'd have thought she was out doing Diana. You've got Mosley, but I'm going to have the top guy. I mean, the way she writes about Hitler. Oh, the blissful Führer. You know, the blissful Führer was in Saturajo. It was so thrilling. I mean, it's, it's, it's to, to read that stuff in the Mitford idiom is, is really quite something. But anyway, she, she, she kept going to Munich. Her parents, God knows what they were doing. God knows what they were thinking. Because initially they were very angry about it angry with Diana, why have you taken Unity to, or Bobo, or whatever they called her, to meet that gang of murderous pests. But by 1935 or whatever, they seem to be endorsing it. And in February 1935... Uh How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. 
For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Unity finally met Hitler. She'd done this thing, Deborah said, today she'd have been arrested as a stalker. Just sitting in his favorite restaurant in Munich, the Osteria Bavaria, and just waiting for him to notice her, um, which eventually happened. And then she became part of his inner circle. I don't think an affair. Well, Dana said she'd have slept with him if he'd asked her, but he never asked. Um, There are terrible rumors about unity, sleeping with stormtroopers and sleeping with... I simply don't know. I don't think anyone really knows what to believe. We do know she asked for contraception advice. So she was doing something or hoping to do something. But what was going on? What was going on in this country? What did they think? What did they, how was she allowed to do this? They knew she was, go on, sorry. Sorry, how were they viewed in this country? Well, it seems to me in rather a sort of, I don't know, they don't seem to, no one seems to have taken it sufficiently seriously. Because apart from anything else, she was related to Winston Churchill and by by marriage, but related. I mean, Churchill had influence <laughs> over us. Yes. Um, and she clearly was having some sort of influence because, for example, the Anschluss, and by this time she really was, I, I think she met Hitler, I think it was 140 times. But she was at the rallies, of course. Well, lots of people were. We know that. But she was at um, the Olympic Games, as was Diana, in '36, And in 1938, she wrote to Winston Churchill to say, you know, the Angelus is a wonderful thing. And they're really, really happy about it, the Austrians. They, they're so happy to have the Fuhrer. And one of them said to me, can I kiss the hand that the Fuhrer has touched, i.e. hers, you know, just pure lunacy. But meanwhile, her father, Lord Reedsdale, had stood up in the Lords and said, you know, sort of supporting the Anschluss. It was almost like he was ventriloquizing with Goebbels, um, working him. And then, of course, he, as Nancy put it, recanted like Latimer, um, Lord Reedsdale, and I think suffered very greatly over ever having been part of the Anglo-German fellowship. But I mean, you, Andrew, you're the, you know, you know all about 
Edward VIII and the well, Anglo. This, this is what I found as as a someone who's interested in the politics of this decade. This is the thing about your book that I found really really interesting because a it reminds you just how close it came, the depth of sympathy for dictators of all kinds, but especially the Nazis, the complete loss of faith in democracy, which has seemed to have failed, uh, the flirtation with new ways of doing things, which usually involved a strong man with energy, uh, which was Mosley. As you say, he'd moved from left to right and back again. He was just basically a, a man with a drive and charisma. He, he looks very much like Britain's Mussolini or possibly Britain's Hitler. And the who people, wasn't genuinely funding him, but yes, sorry. Go, go. No, but I just felt that you show a world that is teetering on the brink of actually going there. And it's amazing that it doesn't, um, actually. Um, and maybe that's partly because <laughs> when people like, you know, Unity and Dada started doing what they were doing, rather than being embraced and celebrated, they were actually kind of mocked. They were seen as being a bit silly by, by certain factions who, with influence within British society. Yes, yes. Um, and and Mosley, uh, I think the peak of fascism was, uh, I think it was 1935, I think. And from then on, he, you know, the people who backed him, including um, Rothermere, really backed away. Um, and he just, as you say, that maybe that sort of British gift for irony and um, just finding things ridiculous. Um but unity was, as I say, I don't, I, I, no one can fathom her psychology, really. You could say she's mad, you can say she's evil, you can say that the Nazis unleashed the madness in her. I don't, she was always a, a, a bit of an oddball um, in that she was the least physically attractive of those very good looking sisters. She was, she looked like Diana, but but sort of a bit odd like an odd version of diana i'm sure she i mean diana always said it, it wouldn't have mattered what i did unity would have gone her way but whether that was her way of assuaging her own guilt about it i don't know but um unity did have a loose tongue and certainly in 1939 she was telling hitler that we weren't prepared for war um how many anti-aircraft guns or whatever. Uh, obviously, he would have known those things. But so when she shot herself and the bullet just lodged in her brain and they couldn't move it, and Hitler said to her, do you want to stay here or do you want to go back to England? And she said, I'd like to go back to England. And he got her moved to neutral Switzerland. And her parents didn't know what had happened. Nobody really knew what had happened. And then her supposed lover, um, Janos von Almashi, who I think must have been the brother of the English patient or a relation of the English patient, you know, the, mm. the novel. Um, I think that's right. Um, he rang the Reedsdales and said, she's she's alive, but she's, you know, she's she's ill, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, just shocking what they went through, really. Um, and then finally, at the beginning of 1940, she was transported from burn to uh, England, to Folkestone, which I think took four days. So Sydney Reedsdale and Deborah, poor bloody Deborah, went to Switzerland to get her back. But of course, when she came back um, on a stretcher, and you see these pictures of Lord Reedsdale waiting to 
collects her and I mean, my God, um, of course, there were questions in the house. <laughs> um, was she really an invalid? Was this a ruse to get her out of being arrested? Or, um, you know, she was a, 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 a traitor, really. Um, and these are all the things that I, I would like to know more about that I, I suspect there's a huge amount more to come out. Yes, because I mean, she was never interrogated. People were surprised by that. Um, I was going to ask you, I mean, is it was it a challenge to write a group biography? I mean, in the past, you've tended, I mean, you've now moved on to group biography, but at that time, you were doing single lives. Yes. Um, I suppose there were structural things, but um, I, do you know, I, I don't think I did find it particularly difficult. All I remember is that I did it terribly quickly. Um, I think it, it just sort of, I, I, I did know a certain amount of it already because of Nancy. And I don't know, it just sort of, I don't think I thought, I think once I'd written the introduction, which I, I'm, I was quite pleased with, trying to analyse why they still interest people. So once I did, I think that took about a month and the rest of it took about three months. Because once I've got that sorted, you know what you know what I mean by um it 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 sort of cohered quite easily because their lives do dovetail because they're constantly that dynamic of the sisters that, that they're constantly reacting off each other and and in competition with each other and rivalries and as you said earlier, you know different little factions set you know Nancy and Jessica would gang up because they were the left wingers, and then Nancy and Diana would gang up because Jessica was such a you know behaved so hysterically and blah 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 blah, but the extraordinary alliance that always remained intact was Jessica and unity. And Jessica turned violently upon Diana. And Diana herself said, the reason I stayed in prison long after all the other fascist women, the reason I stayed in prison for something that I hadn't actually done, but for what I might have done for so long was because they couldn't do it to unity. And I think there probably was something in that because Diana did have a, a very young baby. She was arrested. So this was around the time of Dunkirk when obviously things looked pretty petrifying. Um, he was arrested mostly. And then she was arrested not long after. And on the way, they said, buy a breast pump because you'll be back soon. And she was not back for, well, she uh, it was nearly three and a half years. So she was, and when they were released, the Moseleys, there were sort of riots, rallies in Trafalgar Square and, um, the comparisons with now are very interesting, I think, because obviously when I wrote the book, Western politics were relative, this about eight years ago, our politics were relatively, relatively stable, and now they're not. And you you do, I, I, I constantly think what would happen now, would there ever be a modern equivalent? You know, is unity comparable with a, you know, like one of those girls who went off to a Shamima Begum, is she comparable with that? Is or is that too glib? Um, is is Jessica a kind of extinction rebellion or a well I was I was going to I was going to say that there is a tradition of kind of posh protesters. Um, yes. Who maybe are just 
what 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 you know other people on the left might call tourists who are sort of enjoying playing politics. But of course, as you said earlier, these these women they did live it. You you don't want to like them. I don't want to like them. No, any no. of them, frankly. But you cannot be charmed by them, which of course is fatal. And they were charming. Um, but you also have to admire the fact that they did live their principles, even if it, even if they're the principles that we now would reject. Yes. Uh, Wonderful description of Holly Golightly meets Patty Hearst meets the girls and pearls from Country Life. I can't uh, quite remember which one that was, but uh, I suppose well, a bit of whole, all of the them. Composite. Yeah. Yes, because their faces sort of, when you see those marvellous um, William Acton drawings of them, their faces do sort of converge on a, uh, they're on a, a spectrum of, of uh, they're, they're all very good looking, which was obviously part of it. Um, and they do, but, but that was why I wanted to write that introduction, why I took so long over it. Because, you know, unity is like a subject for a, 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 like a grand opera or something. I mean, and yet she's submerged into this hole whereby one is charmed. Um, and that I do find perplexing and fascinating. Um well, your other great phrase, Laura, they were naturally and comfortably shameless. I really yes. like that. <laughs> yeah. And that's the nursery, isn't it? That's the nursery. That's because, and we haven't mentioned this, they didn't really ever go to school. They just grew up together. Well, Unity went to school. I'm sorry. So fat lot of good that did. <laughs> the, the famous thing of she was expelled, no darling asked to leave. She, They obviously tried that with her, so they obviously – I mean, there's a there's a there's a a really good biography of her by David Price Jones, but um, the sisters were well. Nancy was dead by that time, um, and Diana, one might say, was not a, a. Although Diana was very honest, that's the extraordinary thing about Diana, and they repudiated that book, and Deborah did, because they said there were too many too many sort of rumours had been taken as fact in it. And I can understand that. I can understand that they felt that because it does describe unity as 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 quite more or less balmy from day one, really. But someone like Betjeman didn't think, you know, Betjeman, who was wanted to marry Pam, he adored unity. And Deborah said, you know, of course, she's indefensible, but but she was lovable. Um, <laughs> I know. I know. And this this is someone who in 1935 wrote, I want everyone to know I'm a Jew hater. Um, when you talk about the Mitford myth and, and Mitfordian, what, what do you mean by that? Well, I suppose I suppose the, the I suppose them as they're viewed through the prism of Nancy's writing, which her authorial voice I think is extremely compelling. Um it's almost like I say, it's almost like a very clever child. She she sort of writes, she hits nails on heads in a way that adult writing sometimes sort of loses the ability to do. And it's and again, her voice has this extraordinary charm, which, you know, that famous bit in Brideshead where he um denounces, well, Blanche denounces creamy English charm. And one knows what he means by that. But it is compelling, and I suppose it's that a lot of it's to do with that gift for finding, you know, when Nancy, who was 
really had an agonizing death. Um, but as she said, there's always something to laugh at. And I suppose it's something to do with that, that um, movement toward the, 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 the light, even, even in, which, which sounds so sort of paradoxical to say that when we've been talking about unity. But even Eunice's letters have a kind of, it's, it's, I'm getting in a pickle talking about it because you, you can't, you can't disentangle this, this, the, the times that they lived in and that they responded to, well, three of them with, with such radical fervor and, and really, as you said, lived it, lived the darkness. Um, and you, you, and yet that inserts into into the Mitfordian uh, myth. Um, well, there's a sort of disconnect, isn't there, between their lives and indeed the lives presented in the pursuit of love, which comes out the same year as Brideshead. And it's this very nostalgic picture of a vanished aristocratic Britain, which yes. is presumably part of the appeal in the States, where I think your book did particularly well. It did. It did, which was lovely. Really lovely. Um, they are. They're very. They're very. Um, people are very compelled by them out there. Yes, it was uh, as Evelyn Waugh said to Nancy, who voted for Attlee. You vote. You voted for um, the end of your, you know, your own existence, as it were. Well, not really, because these things still um, compel, and they still you that that class does still exist. It just, it, you know, but I. I think the humour is key to it, um, and and I I suppose Nancy um, crystallises that in a in an enduring sense. I think that um, there's always something to laugh at. Philosophy is and they and they they're sort of they've always got a kind of soap opera resilience because what life chucked as well as what they um they, they they took life on and bad things happened to them by their own doings as it were but also life chucked a lot at them i mean nancy nancy's miscarriages and jessica lost two children and it, it, you know they had and losing tom who i think was like in a way the glue um was peculiarly horrific um and yet they sort of survived. So they're they're in a weird way, they're inspirational because they're so courageous and resilient and shameless, shame-free. And I do think women particularly are compelled because today we're told, you know, women are wonderful and you can do whatever you like. And yet we all seem terribly frightened of life somehow, you know. But the but the nostalgia that they represent and the the, the 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 image of England that they represent this this really all comes from you know what would we think of the Mitfords if Nancy hadn't written the Pursuit of Love it's you know they would be viewed very very differently I think um, oh, well look I think you capture them so well in your book and it's not you're not easy on them you know you do make it clear that they were dabbling in dark and terrible things and you know. I, I get the sense that you you oscillate between a certain amount of disdain, um, maybe that's easier as well, but I don't know of 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 their kind of competitiveness with each other 
but also maybe a little bit of admiration. I mean, perhaps that's what the readers of the novels and your book will come away with both, I think, to be honest. I think, I think people admire their confidence as much as anything when you talked about the shameless thing. I think women admire that, you know, Diana sort of going through Holloway but still remaining Diana and the, the just the, the and the lack of the the the, the, the co- however crazy their choices sometimes were just the confidence of living and this rather blithe deployment of humor in the face of extremely unfunny situations I think women particularly find them compelling in that respect because as I say, the world is the world is 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 very easy on women these days, but we all seem to be in a bit of a confusion about everything. And there they are; they're so sure. And um, the disregard for convention, free spirited. Um, you know, in some ways, there's a sort of people almost living vicariously through their lives. Yes, I think that's absolutely. And they just did not really care what other people thought of them. I mean, Diana, she probably cared what Mosley thought, which. But she really, really did not care what people thought about her. And that I find rather enviable, particularly as we live in a culture where all we care about is what other people, you know. Um, and when her they lived in Dolphin Square briefly and it was sort of covered with graffiti, you know, fascist scum and much worse. And she wrote to Nancy, I think they think the little housewife's going to clean it up. But really, darling, I can't be bothered. And, <laughs> you know. Oh, gosh. Oh, well, look, well, thank you so much. We've overstayed our welcome, I think, on, um, uh, if not for this Zoom call, for the, the, the patience of our audience. But I, I hope people have found it as fascinating as I have. And I really, really do recommend this perfect summer reading. Oh, thank you. Phil. It's always a joy to talk to you guys. Thank you All so right. much. Thank My you. My pleasure. Well, Bye. I look forward to another time. Excellent. Bye now. Well, that was extraordinary stuff, wasn't it? Um, amazing tour de horizon, really. Oh, I do love Laura. She's got such a brilliant way of expressing herself. And she she kind of is a very original thinker. comes through her writing, I think, a lot. Yes. Yes. Very good book. But yes, very, very perceptive. And as I say, a lovely turn of phrase. Fair-minded, too, which I think is maybe something we'd like to see as part of our brand. You know, it's very easy. And, and actually, I mean, it's very easy to sort of say to these terrible, overprivileged women who got involved with awful, terrible men and 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 are there to be disdained but there's so much to learn from thinking about their lives i think and their time yes well i think the way that she wants to relate it to the present day and to see them in context and their influence and their i suppose cultural uh inference i think that's very interesting it's very easy just to do a straight biography and leave it as that selling a little or a lot Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. 
That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. True, 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 true. So do you want to talk a bit about some of the upcoming episodes that we have planned out? Yes, well, we've got um, Andrew Morton talking about Wallace Simpson. I think he's written the best book about her. Uh, we've got Randy. Second only to you, surely, Andrew. Well, I touch on only part of the life, but I did draw on Andrew quite a lot. For I mean, he did a lot of new research for his book. You would have thought everything would have been said. He found new witnesses, including the night nurse who nursed the Duke of Windsor um, as he was dying. So there's a lot of new stuff there. Um, we've got Randy Tarabelli talking about. Um, uh, JFK's wife, uh, uh, Jacqueline Anassis. Uh, I think what else have we got? We've got possibly the day we're looking Kennedy. at the Epstein story, aren't we? We're hoping to do something more on Epstein. I hope so. Yes, we've got we've got uh, a line out someone who's a, one of the probably the best journalists on the Epstein story. I think possibly we should be looking at Hunter Biden. I mean, that story is now breaking in the news. That uh, is interesting, isn't it? And well, that is interesting. And um, uh, actually, that, yes, that will be fascinating. And I. Um, another of those stories, a bit like COVID, that it felt very difficult to tell when Trump was president because people just don't want to be seen to be on the same side as Trump. I mean, I'd be yeah. one of those people, to be fair. Uh, and yet, there's clearly an enormous scandal and a huge story that's only now beginning to to come to light. In fact, yep. um, his the court case, media yeah. dealing with it, but I mean, I think there's it's, there's a lot of stuff that hasn't come out uh, that we I hope can can address. And I do admire that judge, the judge that wasn't prepared to take the plea. Um, yeah, me too. You know, that was we so need more judges like that. I hate this idea of you know cosy arrangements behind the scenes. Well, you know, the story we did last week with uh, Matt Ridley about the origins of COVID, it, that seems to generate more headlines every week. Just just today, there's a, a very big expose um, in the Australian um, newspaper, digging deeper into this whole area of scientists kind of suspecting that the laboratory was involved but not wanting to go there for very good reasons, actually, because they were terrified of this pandemic. They needed uh, the cooperation of the Chinese. And at that stage, of course, nobody knew whether there'd ever be a vaccine. So, you know, you can, I think, understand why this happened, but it's nevertheless emerging now as a, as a real a real scandal. I think we should go back to COVID. Yes, I, I agree. Well, maybe, maybe our, our, our own little contribution with Matt contributed to, to the, the media beginning to take it more seriously. Who knows? It would be nice to think so, wouldn't it? <laughs> <laughs> All right. So well, enjoy your holiday. Up. I think Thank our you. audience would love to know what a Andrew Loney holiday involves. Is, do you have a deer stalker hat? Do you take a picnic basket? Is that the sort of thing? That's how I imagine you. Well, I've been, I'm sitting in a chalet in a place called Villa, which of course you know, uh, and it's raining, unfortunately. So, um, but the plan is to go walking. Um, very few tourists, which is great. It's very, it's a very pretty village, as you know. So yes, no, the deer stalking and the grouse shooting starts a little bit later. Okay. Absolutely fine. All right. Have a great week. Um, think deep scandalous thoughts and I'll see you and hopefully some of the audience next week next week see you then bye thank you for listening to the scandal mongers podcast this has been a podcast world production 
You can get in contact with our show by emailing team at podcastworld.org, placing Scandalmongers in the heading, or via our social media links within the show's bio. 